Welcome to the Let's Get Sensory podcast. My name is Kelsey and I'm an occupational therapist, sensory specialist, and ADHD. -er. If you're looking to up-level you and your kids' lives by learning how to live a sensory lifestyle to help with attention, anxiety, hyperactivity, and impulsivity, then you've come to the right place. So here we go. Let's get sensory. Welcome to the Let's Get Sensory podcast. So as I'm recording this, there are about two weeks left in school and it has been wild. Spring fever has been here for a while, but I just, I feel like it's really hit its peak this week and it's just getting harder and harder to co-regulate with my kids. Like the in energy in the entire school is just crazy everyone's dysregulated and anxious, ready for summer, and just kind of feeding off of each other's dysregulated energy right now. So it's just one of those times that I'm just buckled up trying to ride out this wave, calling on all my nervous system tools right now. And let's be real, is it going to get me to my usual baseline? No, but even if it's helping a little, I will take whatever I can get right now. I actually, I went to a yin yoga class last Friday, which was amazing. Just like one of those very slower, relaxing yoga classes. And I ended up crying for majority of the yoga class and did a lot of releasing. And I am going back tomorrow and honestly hoping to cry some more because I just feel like I have a lot of built up emotions inside of me from just everything I have going on personally and also from all of my kids many many emotions these past couple weeks too. So I am so excited for today's episode. It has really been a long time coming and is way way overdue. So this is something that I want to spend a lot more time talking about on here which is just more sensory lifestyle tips for adults not just for kids because I'm pretty sure I say this every episode or most, but sensory lifestyles are for everyone, for all kids, all adults. It changed my life. And honestly, I would bet some money that it would change your life too. What we all desperately need, what the world desperately needs is to spend more time nourishing our nervous system. Seriously, the world would be a much, much happier place. Like our nervous system is just the most important thing ever. Yet we, or society, really barely pays any attention to it. Like in schools, they're like, oh, you got to learn how to write cursive, or at least they used to, maybe not anymore. Or you got to learn how to make volcanoes. You got to read some Shakespeare. But learning about nervous system, nah, pass. Like doesn't even get a lesson or a test. Schools are just like, no thanks. Like we weren't weren't we learning about our nervous system and strengthening our senses and nervous system in school, like really, really hoping. I feel like the word is getting out and starting to get more momentum now. So hoping by 20, like let's say 2030, that our nervous system is like a core subject in schools or at least an extracurricular subject. But in the meantime, at least we have Instagram and social media and online courses, right? So daily rant about how important our nervous system, check now. Next up, let's talk about my five sensory tips for adults. And honestly, I will probably end up doing separate podcast episodes, diving into all of these, like they could really all get their own entire episode. Definitely tip number five. That one is a big one. So stay tuned for that. 
But for now, we are going to do crash course style. So tip number one, and this is a fun one, and it is to learn your sleep chronotype. So I had a friend recommend the book Power of When by Dr. Michael Bruce, and he talks about how there is a right time to do just about everything based on our biology, our hormones, our like unique kind of hormone system. And that research is backing this up. And so there's an online quiz to help you learn your sleep chronotype, and I'll include it in the show notes. But I recommend this book because he goes into way more details, and it's just like light bulb moment after light bulb moment. But for example, I am the bear chronotype. And so the book talks about how we can make certain routine adjustments to realign our body's natural rhythm to help improve our attention, our sleep, our nervous system stage, just like all the things. So some of the tips, just some examples, like for my personal chronotype, so I'm always very, very, very tired in the mornings and cranky and dysregulated. And so some of the recommendations for my chronotype were to do a quick exercise first thing in the morning and also eat first thing in the morning. Two things I was not doing before. I was been a notorious breakfast skipper for many years. So I've stopped doing that. And it just has a lot of recommendations. Like you can kind of like take what recommendations you want, but it recommended like one of the things was intermittent movement for my specific chronotype at like different times throughout the day. And just like lots of random tips. Like one of the most interesting parts is that there's a time period that our brain functions are like at its highest, like working at its like that peak level. And so it's different time for every chronotype. But for me, whenever possible, I try to schedule certain activities during that time of day. Like if I have a big eval to write or presentation to make or something like that, um, I try to do it during as close to my peak functioning time that I can. And compared to before wondering why I was having such a hard time trying to do a task when my brain function was at the lowest in a sense, so like early, early mornings, which I know it's not always helpful to plan out our activities only for that chunk of time, but it's still at least empowering to know. Like I wish for kids who have like their hardest subject first thing in the morning, which may not, you know, may work great for some kids, but for others, you know, they might do better in the evenings. So I personally just think it's super helpful to know what that time is. And another quick tip from the book is for people who have a harder time falling asleep at night to limit movement and exercise, like kind of try to cut it off or limit it after a certain point. I forget the exact time and it's different for every chronotype. And I think there's four, I'm pretty sure there's four, but so the example for people that have are very light sleepers, have a hard time falling asleep, trying to get that exercise earlier in the day, as early as you can. So for kids, maybe that might look like when they get home from school, getting a lot of that movement, trying to get that like earlier and then trying to encourage them to do some more calming activities, some activities, whether it's like that downtime, just getting them to find a cozy spot and do a, a calming, more calming activity when it gets closer to bedtime. And, or maybe that's like using your lunch break to get some movement in and help increase your attention and mood for the evening. 
And there are honestly just so many like aha moments and tips that I got from that book. So I would recommend at least taking the quiz and Googling the specific routine tips um, or reading the book to get all the benefits and knowledge from it. Highly recommend. And so tip number two, we somewhat touched on, but that is movement. Movement is so, 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 so important. Movement is medicine. And for ADHD years, movement is vital, not just if you're hyper, but for everyone. Movement strengthens our nervous system. It activates our mind-body connection. So we got to prioritize it, schedule it, don't forget it. Even if it is calming movements like yin yoga, YouTube videos, calming deep stretches, like stretching feels so, so, so good. Like we all need to add just more deep stretching into our daily lives, maybe doing some like the cat cows, downward dogs, just lots of calming stretching, which provides us with that deep pressure, which is very calming to our nervous system. So it doesn't always need to be a full-blown exercise. A lot of times it's just myself, like just getting, mustering up the energy to maybe go on a walk. And also, you know, get out, get some vitamin D, which is so important for our brain. And there are just so many options, just figuring out what works best for you. Maybe it's an online gym, a yoga studio membership, Pilates, bar. I personally love to do a mixture of movement exercises. So I do something right now called Class Pass, where you can go to a lot of different classes in your community to mix it up figure out, find, kind of try some out, figure out what you like the best. So whatever works for you, maybe that's going on a walk or doing YouTube exercises. There are thousands of free videos, like exercise videos on YouTube, and also find an accountability partner. I forget where I learned this, but I remember it was a doctor talking about how one of the things that is so, so powerful for our brain is walking and talking at the same time. So finding someone to help you stay accountable and that you can talk to along your walk or maybe calling someone while you're on your walk, going on a walk with your kids, just any way to add more movement into your routine. So the next tip is somewhat the opposite of tip number two. And so tip number three is to take a sensory break. If you're on my Instagram, you've probably heard me talk about this before. So I have to emphasize sensory breaks are not just for kids, but adults too. Taking some time to give your ears a break from working all the time, your eyes a break, your movement senses a break. Maybe that looks like closing your eyes for just a few seconds, a minute, a couple minutes, doing a couple of deep breaths with your eyes closed before a meeting or before you have to pick your kids up from school or maybe after your child just had a sensory meltdown and you're feeding off of their dysregulated energy, just close your eyes, take some deep breaths, a few breathing patterns to coincide with this, to use during this. Um, there's one gold one. My One of my favorites is where you breathe in, in, out. So two quick breaths in and then one long breath out. So if you think back to just how we breathe when we're crying really, really hard. We're like, and we're kind of like, that sounds, I don't know if you could hear that in the microphone, but it's our body's natural soothing breathing pattern. So you can try that one out, or there's also the 478 breathing technique, um, also what some people call the relaxing breath. It involves like you breathe in for four seconds, then you hold your breath for seven seconds, 
and then you exhale out for eight seconds. Just another great one, another quick breathing ex exercise that you can do during your closing your eyes sensory break. And also I'd recommend noise canceling headphones just whenever you're working or just like intermittently throughout the day, we don't realize all the sounds and noises around us, which some of us like me are more aware of all these auditory distractions around us, but still it's helpful for everyone just to give our ears a break from that constant sensory input coming in. So maybe at like nighttime before bed or just anytime really, so that our auditory sense and nervous system can get a break and being like, what's that sound? Or trying to filter out all the different sounds around us. So noise canceling headphones, maybe during the time of day, you tend to feel more overwhelmed or just use it as needed or just whenever you get a chance to. And so the last two tips coming up are big ones. I mean, they're all very important, but I feel like I kind of saved the best for last. So tip number four is to participate in interoception strengthening. So I did a whole episode on this for kids, but if you haven't listened to that one yet, go back, don't miss it, listen to that one next. And it is such an important sense. So our interoception sense is all about our ability to answer the question, how is my body feeling? So most people, when they hear interoception, think awareness of body bodily sensations like Am I hot? Am I cold? Am I hungry? Do I have to use the bathroom? But it's so much more than that. It's also the awareness of like our breathing patterns. It's our awareness of our how our body feels during different emotions, like how we feel when we're excited or maybe how we feel, how our body feels when we're angry and we tense up or when we're anxious and our heart rates beat, starts beating faster. Maybe we start sweating and our temperature changes. There is so, so, so much research coming out now about how just the importance of interoception, like maybe you've heard of somatic therapy, somatic experiencing is another name for it, which is something I'm trained on and get into very deeply inside my online course, Sensory Life Academy. But somatic therapy is all about healing trauma or strengthening our nervous system through our interoception sense and through interoception activities. And of course, I had to learn about it because I learned about all this, just heard about all this research coming out, talking about how it's been found so effective for helping with PTSD, chronic pain, and just so many benefits. And I was like, wow, this sounds so interrelated, like connected with sensory therapy. I got to see what's going on there and loved it. So, so I really want to just kind of combine them together because they're so similar and like you can get a lot of benefits from both. But so some quick tips to strengthening our interoception is to regularly check in with our bodies. So that can look like doing body scans, breath work sessions, which I love, love, love. We do inside of Sensory Life Academy, guided meditations, that just deep breathing. It can look like a lot of different things, feeling our heart rate. That's something I do with my kids, just having them try to feel their heartbeat. And you can also see a somatic therapist. So if you want to learn more about that, I highly, highly recommend listening to my interoception episode a few episodes back where I go a lot deeper. But it is really key in my personal sensory lifestyle, just a main, main factor. And lastly, another vital factor Tip number five, and it is self-forgiveness. 
we are all so hard on ourselves. We so easily give others so much grace and we hardly give ourselves that same or even close to the same of that patience, grace, and forgiveness. And I actually had this realization during a breathwork session. And like I went into the session wanting to work on releasing, healing a specific past experience. And I realized to do that, a big part of what I needed to do was deeply forgive myself. Because even though it was not my fault for the situation, I placed so much shame and guilt. And since then, whenever little things happen, like whenever I just stutter, which happens frequently, or say something impulsively, I try to remind myself, like, Kelsey, forgive yourself. Kelsey, you are so worthy of forgiveness. And it sounds cheesy, but seriously, try it and see how you feel after. So I really hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please DM me and let me know if you like this episode, specifically just talking more sensory things and nervous system tips for adults. And I also want to remind you, if you really want to get deep in your own nervous system healing and strengthening inside my online course, Sensory Life Academy, my signature program, half the program is for kids' sensory healing, while the other half is emotional and nervous system support for you, for parents to do alongside your child. So you can visit the link in the show notes to join the wait list. You, so you don't want to miss it. Enrollment for the summer round opens up in June and will be open for only a week. So before starting a deeply healing and transformational three-month journey. So join the wait list today. And I just want to thank you so, so, so much for joining me today and on this sensory advocacy journey to get the word out about sensory and nervous system health. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll see you next time.